the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. And welcome back to this edition of Lifeline. As we continue on today's program, we spend some time focusing on a part of the world that is filled with some of the most mystery and intrigue, particularly for overseas travelers that have ever been there. You know that the sights, the sounds, the noises, the the places certainly capture and tend to cater to absolutely every one of the senses. That said, this part of the world also has one of the fastest-growing populations, the fastest-growing economies, and the fastest-growing branches of the church. We're talking, of course, about the continent of India. And joining me today in studio, who is here on behalf of our friends at Mission India, we are so delighted and pleased to have Pastor Sam with us today. And Pastor Sam, welcome. Good to see you. Thank you, Craig. It's my pleasure to be here in your studio today. We hear so much about India in the news these days, sometimes about politics, sometimes about the skirmishes and challenges taking place in some of the neighboring states, places like Kashmir, certainly Pakistan, uh, certainly much in the news to talk about India as kind of the, the other Silicon Valley, the other major computer hub of the world. But aside from the political questions, the economic questions, the growth that's taking place in India today, there's that other big, important part of the story that I think my listeners in particular are really interested in and concerned about, and that is what God is doing in India today. The growth of the church there. Tell us what's happening. Well, Craig, uh, India is a country with a lot of paradoxes. You are extremely rich. There are extremely poor extremely educated, extremely illiterate, extremely religious, extremely forgotten. This dichotomy, you know, goes on and on in every sector. You talk about politics, economics, social structure, and of course, in the church. There are big churches and we praise God for them. But at the same time, in 1.2 billion people in our country today, only 3.7 know the name of Jesus Christ. And the churches in cities, by and large, in every part of the country, you have a big churches, which are called the mainline churches, mainline denominations. They're more bogged down with a kind of a, a, a work within the compound walls of the church. And the Great Commission work has not been taken seriously so far. That is one of the main reasons why we are unable to reach the unreached unengaged people groups in our country. There are 4,635 4, different people groups in our country. Out of that, only 1,000 of them are reached today. So when you talk about a composite of what the, the 1040 window looks like, the whole mm-hmm. missions opportunity window for the world today, there's probably no better example of the need in terms of the variety of languages and people groups and physical geographical territory and religions than India today. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if India is a microcosm of the the world missions picture. You're right. Uh, there are people who speak 1,600 different languages and dialects in our country. Wow. And uh, Bible is very closely translated to translated into a hundred languages, not more than that. And there is a great opportunity now today because doors are wide open for the gospel, even though there are persecutions, animosity. You know, there are oppositions, there are kind of uh, state-laid laws of anti-conversion laws and so on and so forth. That's the one side of the story. But the other side, we see... The Spirit of the Lord is speaking, uh, sweeping over the country uh, more vibrantly than ever before. 
you know people are seeking for truth for years of their struggle and efforts for finding who's a real god today people are trying to come to a point okay he is a jesus christ is a real true living god you know pastor sam the scripture tells us about the places in which these seeds can be sown and they can go into rocky soil and really not produce much or sand not much they can also go into fertile soil and then bear forth a strong tree with much good fruit it it, it strikes me given the degree of religiosity we'll call it of, of india uh hinduism of course the predominant religion there though mm-hmm. we see a lot of influence of islam particularly toward the north mm-hmm. uh i guess it can singularly be said of india one thing for sure there's a tremendous spiritual hunger amongst the indian people isn't there there is um if you i mean since you made a mention of uh, the hinduism there you know uh we have uh, 300 million gods and goddesses and a lot of gurus moments you know um not only indians you know the indian religiosity attracts even the other country people you know coming to india to learn about the culture religion and so on and so forth and uh, hindus you know they are very very religious as you rightly said they have a deep passion to know the truth deep passion to know god and uh, in search of that they go from place to place temple to temple god after god but the end of the day do they have a hope do they have a love do they have uh, accomplished what they're uh, seeking for the answer is no mm. so there is a kind of a disappointment kind of a frustration you know um that uh, prevails in in the minds of the people well if you're constantly seeking a god that cannot be found or constantly trying to appease god or to not make god angry at you or jealous you can readily understand why there's such a tremendous sense of a lack of fulfillment or satisfaction i i the contrast in my first trip into india and going into a hindu temple and seeing the priests there oftentimes wearing robes and with uh, paint on their faces and ringing bells and engaging in incantations and the burning of incense and the lighting of candles and all of this and i, I was struck by the knowledge that man is working awfully hard to try and appease god and reach god but there's a stark contrast between that sense of man trying to reach up to god and the message of Jesus Christ we were talking a bit about this off the air elaborate on that point would you particularly in terms of how you go about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with this unknown god the god of Isaac and Jacob and Abraham uh there is a lot of uh, um see one side we talk about the religiosity and the passion you know to know god reach god appease god and the other side you know uh we find what the what the bible says what bible talks about it you know um it's not me going and seeking god instead in the bible we find that you know god is seeking the lost the bible says he has come to the seek the lost and um, it's not god demanding from me something it is me demanding god mm. you know those are the things that you know um uh, or the points where you know um people come in contact with okay i think here is a god who's seeking for me the image of the shepherd leaving the 99 leaving sheep the 99 and you know to find the one one you know that is something it's not me giving sacrifice he has sacrificed for me it's not me doing bloodshed it is he who shed his blood on the cross of calvary so some of these things you know and uh, the one important thing craig here a lot of them they don't understand how how does this beautiful creation has come into existence because there is no mention of the beginning of the world 
and there is no mention of the ending of the world. Well, and the belief system is very cyclical in that sense. Mm-hmm. If I have bad karma this time around, maybe next time I'll come back, it'll be better, I'll yeah. be different. And the cycle goes over and over and over again. That sets up a tremendous sense of hopelessness, I would think. You're right. And somehow they wanted to come out of that cycle and they have no way out. And Jesus comes and tells that I am the way, the truth and the life. That is where, you know, the cycle is broken. Mm-hmm. In other words, they are delivered from the cyclic. And now I talk about the beginning and you have an eternal. We'll take a brief time out in this juncture in the conversation. We'll come back to more of our look at what God is doing in India today. Our conversation with Pastor Sam from Mission India continues in just a moment here on this edition of Lifeline. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And welcome back to the conversation. We continue our visit today in studio with Pastor Sam. He is here on a brief uh, visit on behalf of Mission India. As we pick up the conversation, we can say, okay, I live my life. I raise my family. I serve my God who died for me. Mm -hmm. And then I go on to a permanent, eternal, and never-ending, not cycle of frustration and hopelessness, but of reward entering into... The temple of all temples. You're right. In very heaven itself, with mm-hmm. very God himself. I mean, once that message is articulated, it's shared and explained, is it any wonder that that the average Indian, the average Hindu would say, finally, now I see? That actually allows them to think, you know, um, a lot thought of thought process begins, you know, because they'd been doing something for years together mm-hmm. and suddenly... You know, somebody comes and tells that, you know, this is what is available here. And uh, that's what exactly they're looking for, for years together. Where do I get this internal peace? Where do I get that nirvana, a kind of an eternal abode? Yes. You know, and, you know, I come and say, you know, this is what this is happens uh, with the, the life, death and the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ. You talked earlier, Pastor Samuel, about the idea that there is a sense of some of the the old mainline denominational churches that are kind of cloistered. They're kind of behind the walls of the compound, so Mm -hmm. to speak. And I think there are some strong comparisons with even the church in America, as much as we've traditionally, historically had a passion for moving beyond Judea into Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. We're still very self-focused on our programs and the numbers of people in the building project and what's the revenue look like this month and things of this sort. And and yet I'm wondering, clearly the message is going beyond the compound that there are churches and evangelists and pastors like yourself engaged in a movement of the Holy Spirit where either because of the efforts or sometimes in spite of the efforts of the church mm-hmm. – the Holy Spirit of God is doing something phenomenal in India today, even with some of the stagnation, as you as you suggest. We are still seeing one of the fastest-growing populations of the body of Christ in the continent of India today than anywhere else in the world. What do you attribute that to? Uh, what, what does it imply, you know, uh, which means that God is at work? Okay, and uh, secondly, you know, the doors are wide opened. And the Word of God says the harvest is plentiful and labors are few. Now, what we need in in our country today is the laborers who are willing to go, laborers who are willing to work hard in the in in the field of God. Mission India is an organization, you know, had been working in India for almost thirty years now, and um, they have developed a program that would really take the Great Commission into the unreached places, the end places in our country for the last 30, almost three decades. For example, literacy. India, as you rightly mentioned right in the beginning, that, you know, people talk about Silicon Valley, fully populated with Indians. You know, if you pick 10 uh, most influential people or the richest people in the world, there will be at least two Indian names or three Indian names there. And we praise God for all that. 
but that's not the india you know it's it's a country with a paradoxes 69% of rural indian women cannot read and write their own language wow. and india is supposed to be one of the most illiterate nation in the world as for the survey is concerned so you have extremely intellectual but at the same time there are quite a big number of illiterates that of course makes the mission before the church a bit more challenging in the sense that obviously it complicates discipleship if you lead someone to christ most naturally now want to teach them more about the jesus whom they are following what better vehicle but by god's word and yet if they're illiterate that sets up a stumbling block so there's more work that has to be done there's a bigger challenge perhaps at some levels that the Indian church is facing is contrasted to a, a church in the first world, you know, maybe in North America or wherever the case might be. But yet God is still, even with all of those barriers, doing some phenomenal work there. Phenomenal uh, things because uh, the, the Indians, uh, provided we give them the truth in love, mm-hmm. they're already religious. We don't need to create a kind of a religious attitude in their life. They're already religious. As you also mentioned, you know, that soil is actually prepared soil. If we can change or exchange, rather, the religion and the religiosity for relationship, mm-hmm. that also helps us to get a glimpse as to why we see such a tremendous sense of passion. You're right. I've attended Indian churches and seen preachers that, my goodness, just so on fire and full of God's Word. Mm-hmm. We see the sense of the sacrifice that people within the Indian church are willing to make, the kind of persecution, quite frankly, mm-hmm. that they are subjected to. We know especially in, in parts of the north along the border with Pakistan and areas where there's a stronger Islamic influence. Mm-hmm. It's not uncommon to hear stories of churches that are literally burned down to the ground, pastors that have been kidnapped and and beaten and left for death. I mean, these kinds of stories that almost is reflective of the book of Acts early church, that level of persecution taking place in India today, but alongside it, too, a movement of the Holy Spirit and growth of the church, in spite of the fact that there's not Christian radio, there's not a lot of literacy, things of this sort. Many of the the trappings that we think of in the Western world that are necessary for evangelism, Mm -hmm. we see wholly absent from India. And yet, in spite of that, God, by the very power of his Holy Spirit, moving and working amongst his people. So while we see Book of Acts-style persecution going on, we also see Book of Acts-style growth, don't we? Multiplication is happening. Yes. Yeah. in India, like uh, persecution is the sign of the church growth. Not only in India, I think if, if you uh, go through the, the history, I mean, from the first century till today. Oh, almost anywhere. If you anywhere, show me a place on planet Earth where the church is being persecuted for its faith, pastors are being arrested, evangelists are being jailed, yeah. almost without exception, I'll show you a place where the church is growing by absolutely unfathomable numbers, but mm-hmm. not just numerically, but also there's a spiritual depth yep. uh, that is absolutely almost uh, without comparison. Mm-hmm. There's a love and passion for God and his word and a relationship with him. And again, I don't mean to suggest that this is demeaning of Western styles of Christianity, but if you are a Christian in India, you've counted the cost you're right. Haven't you? It demands. It demands that there be a price paid. Yes. And yet we know that the rewards are <laughs> in store literally, for us. you know, out of this world. Yeah. Uh, and so the church is willing to pay that price. That, that's willing. You know, right now, one of our partners who works with us in the southern part of India, um, the last uh, one month, he's received a lot of threats from uh, anti-Christian elements. Mm-hmm. And these could be... Muslim in origin, they could be Hindu in origin. Yes, they could be anybody, but, you know, kind of an anti-Christian. They don't want to see church existing in that part of uh, um, the uh, country. And uh, they threatened him a number of times. And, you know, they also gave him ultimatum saying that, you know, by so-and-so time, if you, I mean, uh, clear this place, we will be 
killing you off. And mm-hmm. you know, for last four, uh, couple of fortnights, he's literally hiding away from those places. Mm-hmm. But his wife gathered strength, courage, and she visited the area, you know, uh, last week just to see how his uh, her church or uh, th- their church members are doing. Are they also threatened? Are they intimidated continuously by these people? So, the opposition, threatenings, animosity, prejudice, and all that, you know, are a day-to-day. I mean, like, it's kind of an everyday affair. If you really want to be a good Christian and, you know, uh, uh, magnify Christ through your life. We'll take a brief time out in this juncture in the conversation. We'll come back to more of our look at what God is doing in India today. Our conversation with Pastor Sam from Mission India continues in just a moment here on this edition of Lifeline. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And welcome back to the conversation. We continue our visit today in studio with Pastor Sam. He is here on a brief uh, visit on behalf of Mission India. We mentioned at the start of our conversation today, Pastor Sam, about the phenomenal economic growth that mm-hmm. India has been experiencing. And, and perhaps only second to China yeah. are we seeing uh, just spurts of economic growth that are absolutely unfathomable, certainly in comparison to any other part of the world with the current economic challenges globally yep. that we've been seeing since the economic meltdown of 2008. Has this complicated any of the outreach for the church? In other words, are you seeing Western-style materialism coming in that now is complicating the message of the necessity for a relationship with Christ? Um, when uh, 2008, you know, when the financial situation gone into volatile um, situation like uh, some of the organizations which are exclusively dependent on the western funding and you know things like that I was told that you know they have almost come to a close there are two different kinds of ministry happens in India one is a program oriented one is soul winning oriented anything that is program oriented you know once uh, the fund flow stops they stop but soul winning goes on and on and and uh, this may come as no surprise to you but it's very much the same way here in north america as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. and you also find the one that tends to be more program oriented is much like the seed sown in the rocky soil. It may flourish for a slight season, or you may see what you think is growth that actually turns out to be a weed. And then the minute a test of a life storm comes along, it's quickly washed out to sea and bears forth no fruit at all. And yet the one that is focused on soul winning mm-hmm. and discipleship and sharing of the gospel of Jesus That's Christ, true. planting God's word, uh, those are the ministries that not only are planted in fertile soil, they not only survive, but they thrive in the That's end. Right. You're right. What do you think um, is the biggest challenge facing India today? Um, there are three uh, important issues, actually. Number one is literacy, as I mentioned. You know, That's a, uh, the greatest need in our country today. You know, um, because of uh, literacy, illiteracy, you have uh, poverty. Because of poverty, there is a spiritual darkness prevailing. And they're all interconnected. If the Indian rural women or men are educated or make a shift from illiterates to literates, there is a possibility of a social transformation, spiritual transformation and also economical transformation happening. Women are treated uh, as a substandard human being. Even as we've seen, certainly not all of the caste system disappear, but it certainly has changed very dramatically over the last Uh, few decades. Caste system is still existing in some uh, villages, most of the villages in India. 
um, you know, uh, but again, the education, you know, that, changing things. that yeah, but changed. you're still noticing s- extreme degrees of challenges for women. Women, you know, mm-hmm. there are uh, a lot of atrocities are happening to them. Um, in the name of dowry, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's the biggest uh, social evil. You know, the government of India has banned a dowry system in 1961. They made a law against it. But even then, despite of all that, you still hear about uh, the dowry deaths almost every day mm. in some part of country. One of the stories that we are mentioning about, you know, um, you know, who has gone through that agony. There are so many people of that, you know, uh, uh, classification. And uh, some of the Indian women cannot really speak out their pain, speak out their agony. Number one, because they are not educated. Number two, they are not earning members. Number three, the cultural barrier is there. And it's interesting, this 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 pull that's going on in Indian society yeah. today then, because you think of the struggle that women are facing, and yet the influence of so much wealth, because largely of the way the world economy has changed and the, the, the creation of the so-called Silicon Valley of India. Mm-hmm. And then you see the influence of... of, of just pure outright secularism through things like so-called Bollywood. Uh, I've seen some of the films, and I think, you know, with the exception of maybe some of the dresses that are worn in the music, you would think that these productions are coming out of Universal or Paramount (laughs) in Hollywood, California, and not in in New Delhi. So it's interesting the way there's there's a pull for the attention of India in so many ways, and at the same time that we see an increase in wealth, and yet not a major shift yet in terms of opportunities or treatment of respect for women, huge degrees of hunger for spirituality, explosive growth of the church, and yet some aspects of the more mainline denominational church still kind of behind the compound walls. Yes. It's, it's yeah. India today in many respects then economically, spiritually remains this this very mysterious convoluted yeah. gathering of, of comparisons and contractions at so many different levels. It's fascinating. I think this is a high time that, you know, these uh, compound-centered, the mainland denominations has to think beyond the box, come out with more vigor, more passion towards the Great Commission. And uh, when that happens, you know, the emerging churches and, you know, the other um, communities, you know, who, who are involved in a kind of uh, evangelization of the unreached peoples in our country, um, when that happens, we will be able to see that, you know, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess, you know, that Jesus is the true living God. Take a moment, if you would, Pastor Sam, and share a bit of your passion with our listeners if you could have the opportunity to have a chance behind the pulpit at a church here in the Bay Area on a Sunday morning to share what you would think would be the the, the biggest issue on your heart, the message that you would like to share with the church in America about the church in India, what would that be? What would What would that passion or concern or observation be? My passion and my... Uh, concern uh, as for the Indian church is concerned today is that they need to come back to Great Commission. As you rightly mentioned, I think, a couple of times in your uh, um, deliberations that, you know, uh, the Acts of Apostles has to be repeated. It's repeated, actually. Only thing the mainline church has to realize it. You know, we cannot just keep quiet when things are happening around we cannot be insensitive, you know, to, you know, uh, the things that are happening around. That becomes foolishness. And when we become, uh, uh, when we are able to realize the prompting voice of the Holy Spirit, that this is the time God is at work in India, I think we have to move forward. Because there may be a day when the doors will be closed. Mm-hmm. There may be a day when things will get much harder. But now they are wide opened. 
and people are responding more um, rapidly than ever before. And the Church of God back in India, mainly the, the denominational churches had to realize that this is not the compound that we think about now. It's beyond that. There is ultimately a message here for the church in America, too. As Pastor Sam articulates, there is a window of opportunity right now where there is a tremendous sense of, of hunger and desire and openness to the gospel, even as we see the push of materialism bearing down upon India in, in so many ways, yet utter degrees of poverty at the same time. And yet the biggest challenge that India faces is no different than the challenge we face here in America or anywhere on planet Earth. And that is a poverty of the heart and a poverty of the soul, the malnutrition that we experience because we do not know him, we do not serve him, or if we know him, we serve him only within the confines of the compound. And I think as Pastor Sam is suggesting, it's time to throw open wide the door and understand the need to respond to opportunities to share the gospel and to stand shoulder to shoulder with the church in India, just as we've stood shoulder to shoulder with each other inside the compound, to now do that outside the compound, yeah. to, to engage in that appreciation for what it means to not just to have a heartbeat and a passion for Judea, but then understand that the Great Commission didn't end there. It began there, as we are then mandated to move from Judea to Samaria and to India, and the uttermost parts of the earth. If you'd like to find out more information about the work of Pastor Sam and the amazing things that God is doing throughout the entire continent of India, let me direct you toward Mission India's website. It's an easy one to remember. That's missionindia.org, missionindia.org. If something you've heard in today's conversation with Pastor Sam has really touched your heart, and you'd like to see and explore ways in which you and or your church congregation can stand shoulder to shoulder with people like Pastor Sam and the work that God is doing in the continent of India today, why don't you consider reaching out to Mission India? They've got a speaker's bureau that could happily provide someone to come to your church and share more of not just the amazing things that God is doing in India today, but the amazing opportunity that the Lord and responsibility places before us today to be engaged in, again, sharing of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because in the end, it isn't how hard we work to try to reach up to God. It's the understanding that God came down that will change the world. More information again on the web at missionindia.org. That's missionindia.org. And Pastor Sam, we so much appreciate you taking some time uh, out of your travel schedule to be with us here. Welcome again to America. And we're going to be praying for you and your ministry there. Uh, Godspeed and keep up the good work. Thank you. Pleasure is mine. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Several years ago, a friend of the family began complaining about, well, I think a lot of the symptoms that tend to be associated with reaching uh, midlife or, you know, uh, approaching the other side of 50. That included such things as feeling tired and sluggish all the time. It's the old saying, my, my get up and go, got up and went. Uh, a feeling as if uh, there was sluggishness in, in memory, things of this sort. Well, upon visiting with a doctor and running the typical battery of tests, Everything was discussed from you're not gaining adequate, you know, getting an adequate amount of sleep every night to you need to change your diet to try this pill, so on and so forth. It took the doctors well over a year to finally come full circle to what was really at the cause of the fact that this person couldn't lose weight no matter how hard they tried, um, was dealing with headaches constantly, mental sluggishness. And again, that just overwhelming feeling of, of, of lethargia. Well, it turned out it was thyroid disease. Sadly, a good percentage of people are misdiagnosed. And even once diagnosed with thyroid disease, they don't always receive the kind of treatment that they need. Well, we've invited tonight Dr. John Dong to join us. He is the founder of the East Bay Thyroid Institute, 
They give us some insights as to what exactly thyroid disease is, how it affects the body, and most importantly, what's available out there for the cure. Dr. Dong, is always great to have you on the program. Hi, Craig. Yes. We Um, talk about the issue of thyroid disease, and maybe for the benefit of some listeners, let's start with a couple of definitions. First, when we talk about thyroid disease or thyroid disorders, what exactly are they? um, Thyroid disorder is like... um, Conventionally, the way that we measure like um, thyroid is uh, using the blood test called TSH, which is a thyroid stimulating hormone. The way that um, people are being treated is that when they're um, when the thyroid is high, then you get synthroid, which is levothyroxine, which is the medications uh, f- uh, for taking care of the problem. But the problem is that can it be elsewhere that's causing your thyroid symptoms? Can it be the hypothalamus? Can it be um, in the pituitary gland, thyroid gland, or the liver, uh, the liver, or even the gut? Or could it be a Hashimoto, which is the autoimmunity condition that is attacking your own immune system, is attacking the underlying cause of the thyroid symptoms? So it can be elsewhere because people are struggling just taking a look at the TSH, and then um, keep being uh, met, uh, like medicated just based on their one lab test, TSH. But we have to be careful. We have to look elsewhere to find the underlying reason for the symptoms. And majority of the people that are suffering from the thyroid um, symptoms right now are um, immune system, which is the autoimmunity. And, and the autoimmunity, explain that in terms of what's going on uh, from the epidemiological standpoint, in the body, that that there is an imbalance taking place in the way the body's natural autoimmune system is functioning. What's happening? Um, so the thing is that uh, the the immune system is off balance, right? So we need to find out why is the immune system is off balance. Um, so there there will be testing that we will be able to identify uh, their autoimmunity. Um, this blood test that we can do to identify their um, their uh, autoimmunity, and also that like, we need to find out what is the triggers of the autoimmunity. Like right now, we heard of the word gluten. The gluten is a buzzword. Why is gluten a a big um, issue? Because of their gut. We understand that eighty percent of the immune system is in the gut. So the first thing that we need to look uh, very detailedly, duly is looking at the gut system. What is going on with this custom do we have a leaky gut or is there any food sensitivity that would causing the inflammatory process in the gut when there's you when your gut is in, um, have the inflammatory process is inflamed the body will tend to attack itself that's the triggers of the autoimmunity. So there may be aspects going on within the American diet today, and we know based on the level of obesity in the country today, the amount of processed foods that we're eating and so forth, uh, America overall isn't healthy. And the problem now, as you're suggesting in the case of thyroid disease, where the autoimmune system suddenly now essentially turns and attacks itself, it it really is, is the body attacking itself thinking that it's fighting some sort of an outside enemy when, in fact, what it's doing is it's going after, in this case, the thyroid itself. Is there something going on here, doctor, then, in terms of our diet that is tricking the body into thinking, "Uh uh-oh, here's an outside enemy that I need to come in and attack? Yes. The the triggers is, um, a lot of times, the the triggers, um, it would start with the guts. Once the body is recognized um, and starts attacking the gut lining. So what it does is that it has the potential to attack elsewhere. And in, in the thyroid case, it would attack the thyroid. So um, it would attack the thyroid. So that that's why the, um, when you're doing the blood test with the Hashimoto, the Hashimoto is the name for the autoimmunity is attacking the thyroid. So mm-hmm. that is what's happening, is that it triggers. There's a triggers of autoimmunity. And in most, in most um, cases, it starts with the gut, so that's the, something that we have to look out and we have to check in very, we have to do um, extensive testing to find out what is going on, what is the cause of the issue. The typical approach within the profession, once a diagnosis of thyroid disease has been made, um, is to look at a number of 
attempts by doctors to bring balance back to the system, including hormone therapy. But we we hear from a lot of patients that say, I've been on hormone therapy for weeks or months or years. Nothing seems to be happening. This feeling of lethargy that I have still continues to linger. What, What is lacking in the singular approach that some physicians take to simply look at well, you need to have some hormone replacement therapy here. That's going to fix the problem. Why doesn't that always work? Yeah, because it's, it's, it's dealing with the symptom. It's dealing with one issue, which is the TSH. But the thyroid, the system um, is more complicated than that. It is not the TSH alone. We need to find out the underlying cause of the issue. Like I said earlier, it can be in the liver. It can be in the gut. It can be in the hypothalamus, in the pituitary gland. And also, more importantly, we need to identify their underlying cause, which is uh, autoimmunity. And if you just take the replacing hormones, the whole system is not being fixed. And as a matter of fact, is that if you just take the, the um, synthroid or medications for, for the thyroid, if it were a underlying cause, it's autoimmunity, you are there to promote more diseases because the underlying cause of the problem is never is, is never taking place. It never solved. So people are suffering. Why why am I um, why why my blood test is normal? My TSH is normal, and I keep having this thyroid symptoms, and then I'm getting worse. My cholesterol level is gaining higher. Now I'm pre-diabetic or become diabetic. My hypertension. I need to take more hypertension. Anxiety. I need to take. Um, antidepressant medications, and the, the list goes on. People are suffering because the real underlying causes of the issue has never been addressed. It's not just the um, replacing hormones. Some people have results like, oh, when they start taking the replacing hormones, and on the first uh, couple months it works, and then all of a sudden it's not working anymore. I feel the same um, uh, compared to uh, if I'm not taking their, um, the replacing hormones. All right, let's pause on that point. We'll come back to more of our conversation. Today on this edition of Lifeline, Dr. John Dong is with us, founder of the East Bay Thyroid Institute. A brief time out, an update on traffic, then back with more as this edition of Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And welcome back to our conversation. If you've just joined us on this edition of Lifeline, our conversation is with Dr. John Dong. He's founder of the East Bay Thyroid Institute. We talked about the issue once before when you were with us on the program last time, Dr. Dong, and that is on on the topic of looking at not just a singular contributor to what's going on with the thyroid that, that's triggering this body's autoimmune response, but that it could happen at multiple levels. In other words, uh, this may be diet in nature that could relate to maybe food allergies or sensitivities of one sort or another. The other thing that I think you had mentioned last time was that oftentimes just lifestyle in terms of uh, stress can also be a contributing factor here too, can't it? Yes, stress is one of the contributing factors because when you uh, when your body is stressed, um, their your system gets shut down, the immune system gets weaker. So the um, stress is one of the contributing factors, and also the adre- uh, stress is part of the adrenal gland, right? Um, adrenal make cortisone. Cortisone is the stress um, uh, hormone. So what happens is that stress is the contributing factor. Also, the blood sugars. Like the, um, why is the blood sugars? Because number one stressor in the body is the blood sugars. When your blood sugars is altered, um, if, if it's too high or is going down too low, it is one of the stress in your system. And um, there's other organs like the the colon, the stomach, the, and the rest of the body because our body, our system is all interconnected. One is relating to the other. So when we un- we need to un- uh, unwind and to solve the thyroid issue, we have to take a look at the whole system and unwind the whole system one knot at a time. So we're really making ourselves, we're, we're, we're doing a disservice when we allow an attempt by some within the healthcare profession to singularly try and approach this treatment of uh, thyroid disease with, for example, hormone therapy, 
when what that really is doing is addressing a symptom, not the cause. It's like saying, I've got severe back pain. If I just take more Motrin, that'll fix it, and therefore suggesting maybe what, that we have a um, uh, a, a, a Motrin deficiency <laughs> in our body. Well, yeah. we know it's just simply masking other underlying factors. And so as you're suggesting then, what you would do in your practice then is to unwind like we sort of uh, peel back the layers of an onion to get down to the root cause and find out, and is it true with a lot of your patients, that you see there might be a multiplicity of contributing factors? In other words, some of it might be stress-related. Some of it might end up being dietary in nature that all ultimately kind of conspires upon one to create the problems with the thyroid? Yes, we have to address those, the, the diet, the exercise, the detoxification, because we have a... Um, so the, what I did is I call it like the five pillar of health. So we need to address all the, the aspect of health, exercise, the diet, nutrition, um, detoxification, all those, in, and hormones, all those five pillars of health in order to have our body being balanced so we cannot neglect Right now, doctors always said that there's only two solutions to any health issue is exercise and diet, but there's more to it. What happened to the hormones? So we have to check uh, for uh, the hormones, not only the, um, the T3, which is uh, um, T3 and T4, and also the hormones, the estrogen, the estradiol, uh, and then the t- t- uh, testosterone, and uh, the rest of the hormones. We need to address all those and um Check it. The best way is to to not guess on your health is to do the appropriate tests to identify the the underlying reason, the underlying cause of um, your health issue. You are offering to folks that are suffering with this. Maybe they've already been diagnosed and they have tried the hormone replacement therapy. That hasn't worked. The symptoms continue. The sense of lethargy and, and all that seems to be buffeting them continues to run unabated. Uh, you're offering right now a free consultation. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, the, the, uh, the free consultation, the first thing as a doctor, the first thing that you have to do is that listen to the patient's symptoms. So the first thing that I would do is that I would, um, you would fill out like eight pages um, information so I would know more about you and your health and your symptoms. I always focus on the symptoms because the symptoms are real, so I can focus on on that and then uh, help you to identify the problem. So the first is that I want to give you, uh, like uh, thyroid sufferers, a chance um, to meet with me one-on-one so I can help them to identify their uh, the underlying reason for the thyroid conditions. So I would spend some time um, going over their needs during the consultations. And then the consultation is really designed to get to give you information as to what the symptoms look like, how long that they've been suffering, to what degree and what extent they've perhaps received previous treatment that heretofore largely has been unsuccessful, and then ultimately put together a plan of a, a plan of action, so to speak, that then yeah. will allow a person to finally begin addressing not just the symptoms but the underlying root cause. And I would give them, based on what I um, collect from the consultations, I would give them a plan of action. What are the next steps that we need to do together? What type of tests that we um, we need to order? I would be just like tell the patient straight off, I cannot be responsible for your health. I can um, be responsible with you. You have to do all the work um, to get yourself better. I can coach you. I can mentor you. I can support you through the, the, the process. The ultimate, the healing is inside your, your body. It's there already. We need to allow it to be the body to heal. If at the end of the day you are frustrated in dealing with the symptoms and you have been maybe in previous, you have gone to other doctors and you keep getting either no answers or answers that don't get to the root cause, and you're just frustrated. Uh, why don't you end that trail of frustration? I want to encourage you to get more information. Uh, Dr. Dong, as we mentioned, is offering a free consultation to the first 25 callers. Now, this is a $287, almost $300 value, 
and it's yours free for the asking. He has two Bay Area locations, and you can call him right now. Simply call 800-524-2348. That's 800-524-2348. You also have a pretty exhaustive tutorial on your website, Dr. Dong, that will help people walk through the list of symptoms to begin to identify whether or not perhaps they are dealing with an issue of thyroid disease that they're not aware of. And then pretty exhaustive look at many of the options that are available to patients to address the underlying causes. And folks can get that information on your website at eastbayþyroiddoctor.com. That's eastbayþyroiddoctor.com. Or again, they can call for that consultation. Your offices are in uh, Dublin. And remind me where else? And uh, in Dublin and in Fremont. In Fremont. That's right. How could I forget that? Dublin and in Fremont. And again, uh, right now, this consultation is absolutely yours, free for the asking. Doctors don't even do house calls anymore, let alone offer free consultations. But the success rate that Dr. Dong has had with his patients is so remarkable that he really feels compelled to help offer this free consultation for patients that have been suffering with thyroid disease for years or you've just run out of answers. Doctors have run out of answers and you just know you're sick and tired of being sick and tired and you want somebody that can give you a whole new perspective as to what might be going on in your system and most importantly, the natural path in order to address the underlying causes that ultimately you can get back on the road to good health. 800-524-2348. That's 800-524-2348. And doctor, that free consultation is available whether listeners are closer to your Dublin office or your Fremont office. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. They can always um, call that number um, and then also visit our website to get more information. Yeah, your Um, website, I'll mention for listeners again, I've spent quite some time on your website. Your website is one of the most thoroughly detailed websites on the topic of thyroid, thyroid disease, the causes, the symptoms, all of that that's anywhere out there. So uh, check that out, eastbaythyroiddoctor.com. That's eastbaythyroiddoctor.com. And again, with a sense of urgency but no obligation, 800-524-2348. Again, that's 800-524-2348. We'd like to thank Dr. John Dong for being with us on this segment of Lifeline. And now.